1: This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. This is
0: Awesomers Podcast episode number 10. To see all the relevant show notes and details, you can go to awesomers.com 10. That's awesomers.com 10 and you'll be able to see the page that we've created to help you uh, see the summary of this episode and and related show notes. Now, today our special guest is Barth Jeddo. And Barth tells me that he wants to live in a world where no e-commerce entrepreneur ever feels alone or has to vehemently defend to their friends and family why leaving that corporate job was a good idea. Uh, As an executive for 20 years, Barth uh, has been working with large cooperatives in the flooring industry and beyond. And he's got the experience and the know-how of joining together independent players to help level that playing field with vendors and then arming them with tools and, and strategies and tips to help their businesses thrive. He brings that experience as the president of the Empower eCommerce Cooperative to make the eCommerce world a better, less lonely place. Barth is also an avid outdoorsman, triathlete, woodworker, golfer and a wannabe farmer if you want to know the truth barth lives on an old dairy farm 50 miles from pittsburgh in a beautiful little setting in ligonier pennsylvania Uh, barth would call it idyllic but i haven't been there so i can't vouch for that uh, anyway, we're thrilled that Barth joins us today to talk about this very important concept of the empowering e-commerce cooperative, and really about Barth's origin story. What makes him an expert in this field? Uh, we definitely are uh, big supporters of the nonprofit member-owned cooperative, and it's something that, uh, you know, myself, Steve Simonson, uh, I believe in, and I've seen it work in other industries. So we're super thrilled to have Barth as our guest today. Okay, everybody, we're back here at Awesomers.com, podcast coming to you today, and we've got a special guest, Barth Jetto. How are you, Barth? I'm extremely well. Excellent. Uh, Glad to hear it. Uh, For those Awesomers out there listening, don't forget, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe, uh, share this with a friend. Uh, You know, sharing is caring, is what they say, and uh, it's easy to do. All you got to do is share uh, not just this episode, but the uh, fact that you love Awesomers and uh, you want to share this with other Awesomers that you may know. So, Barth, we're thrilled to have you here today, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, kind of the, the new project you're on and so forth with the Empowery E-commerce Cooperative. But first, I'd like to just start with uh, where are you now? So where do you live now, and what do you do in general terms?
2: Uh, I live in a small town outside about 50 miles away from Pittsburgh called Ligonier, a very historic town. Um, there was a French and Indian war battle here, one of the biggest ones of the war in 1758. And so... The entire community kind of revolves around that. There's a big fort downtown, and uh, they actually have uh, George Washington's personal dueling pistols or saddle pistols. You'll get corrected by historian if you mis- misrepresent that. But uh, so very, um, very historic area to live in um, in the Laurel Mountains of Pennsylvania. So beautiful too to boot. Um, I am uh, president of the uh, Powery Cooperative right now. I've been in the position about. Almost two months, month and a half, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you know, work remotely, have a great team around the country, and uh, we're ready to be awesomers in every way.
0: I love it. Yeah, and I tell you that uh, full disclosure that I am a member of Empowery, uh, and it's partly uh, my idea to bring it to to life, and and, uh, amongst others, to try to to have a way that a nonprofit cooperative of members, so all the members own the cooperative, and it's a nonprofit. Uh, can join together to to get better buying power and things like that. We'll dive into that a little bit, but just full disclosure that I am a member. I did pay to become a member, by the way, and uh, it's something that I truly believe in, and, and ultimately, I'm the uh, financial backer until it uh, can stand on its own. So uh, there's a little uh, a disclosure for everybody. Uh, now that we kind of know, uh, you know where Barth lives and kind of what he's up to, everybody should know in the show notes that we'll have all the, the right links to the things we talk about Uh, websites uh, and and the like so don't feel like you need to take uh, notes you'll be able to find those in the show notes later on Um, all right so before we uh, dive into your uh, kind of uh, deep background we're gonna take a quick commercial break here our sponsors need to uh, tell us a very important message so we'll be right back
1: the Amazon marketplace professionals this is Parsimony ERP and we get one question over and over can you please tell me exactly what parsimony does well we'll try but this is only
2: a 30 second spot so we're gonna have to hurry connect to your seller central account and pull all the new orders enter the orders with all customer data enter all of the amazon fees and charges store them at the item level generate profit and loss reports at the sku level Automatically generate income statements, handle multiple companies, handle multiple brands, handle multiple currencies, facilitate budgets and forecasts, store all customer interactions in a specific CRM system, managers are watching, budget and ask manager, maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. That's Parsimony,
1: P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com, parsimony.com, you've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. And here we are
0: back again, uh, Barth Jetto joining us uh, to talk a little bit about uh, where he came from. And you know, I always like to start at the very beginning, Barth. Where were you born? Uh,
2: 24 miles from here uh, in Jeanette, Pennsylvania, and a suburb of Pittsburgh again, obviously, and very, very blue collar. I grew up in a place where the main the main businesses were glass blowing. Um, uh, they had, We had a general tire rubber plant there. And I got to see, I think one of the early impressions on me was watching how, you know, businesses start to go started to go offshore and what it did to the community. When you go down there now, you know, it was a thriving, uh, it was really a thriving place. And I think the population dropped from about 15,000 to 9,000. So very early on, I got to see what, you know, blue collar workers worked hard for their money and and what, what can happen when, you know, the leaders of companies don't stay on top of making sure a manufacturing facility is viable.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, for sure. And for uh, our listeners at home who can't see Barth uh, on the video screen as I do, uh, audio-only listeners, he's actually wearing a blue shirt with a blue collar today, everybody. So he's really sticking to the uh, program, really <laughs> part of the roots. Yeah. Uh, how, how about your parents, Barth? Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what what kind of background did they come from?
2: Uh, they grew up. They were born in the same town, so I was, it was one of those things. I could never do anything wrong when I was a child, or you know, everybody knew my parents, my grandparents you name it. Um, My father was a salesman, uh, sold carpet his whole career um, for different companies, large companies, but always a kind of a traveling salesman, never moved, never wanted to move the family. Uh, My mom was an occupational therapist, which My wife is also an occupational therapist, so, you know, maybe it's Oedipus a little bit, but uh, they kind of look, they look more like mother and daughter than they, than I look like the son of my mother. Oh my goodness,
0: this is an Oedipal complex going here, Uh, fully on, yeah. It's a family show, Barth, come on. Right, I think so,
2: but they, um, you know, they, just a really solid background, like I, I, I always tell people, and you know, if I went on a speaking circuit or something, everybody has a a story. I have one story I'll tell you that's a tough one to start off with, but mostly just, you know, solid family, not
0: divorced parents. I mean, just pretty damn good life to start out with. Nice. Really great, nice. Great roots. Uh, how about siblings? Uh, I know of uh, of uh, at least one, but uh, wh- what about your sibling count? Yeah, just one brother, uh, older by three years. He's the CEO
2: of a company called Fetchheimer, um, and that's a Berkshire Hathaway company. So he works for one of the Ber- Berkshire Hathaway companies. Uh, smart guy, um, they, they make military uniforms, so uh, they're, they make the, the naval, like, like when you see the Army-Navy game, all those blue coats, they're all made by them. Uh, the, Marine, the Marine dress blues uh, for like the chiefs of staff and all that, they're made by them. Army uniforms, so big company, been around 175 years, and a, an interesting thing is they made uniforms for the North and the South. Uh, that's how old they are. In the civil war, we're
0: 175 by, by the way, uh, in the uh, world of military uh, uh, arms and uh, related supplies, if you can sell to both sides, you come out a winner. <laughs> so right. Kudos to you the can, sales department. You yeah, you can't pick a loser when you're selling to both. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, hey, we're really pulling for you, North, or we're really pulling <laughs> for you, South. It depends on the sales guy. Uh, very good. Um, so, I, any Berkshire Hathaway companies obviously got to be something that people should look up. We'll put in the, uh, the link in the show notes because. Uh, that you know uh, such well respected uh Warren buffett related uh, acquisitions uh, how I about university t- where where did
2: you oh go ahead Steve I can also take care of them with a discount code on on the vertex there's stuff that's for uh for personal use and so I'll take care of them there if they uh... Uh, we'll put it up there too. Make them, you know, reward them for being on the on the okay, podcast.
0: Look at, now you guys are getting paid to be listening to a podcast, a free podcast to begin with, and you get paid. That's amazing. Uh, they're very nice. Thank you uh, for that, Barth. How about university? What? Where did you go?
2: Went to Penn State, uh, middle of the state. You know, it's kind of the it's the go-to place here in the United in the in the, this part of the United States. Uh, Fifty-nine thousand students. You know, on all the campuses. Um, I I spent one summer term in, oh, actually fall, actually fall term in Nice, France at the Universitaire de Technologie de Nice, and that's probably not pronounced with much French flair, but that was in Nice, France, and uh, made a huge mistake in going through college in four years and getting a marketing degree when my father was paying. You know, after I got done, I'm like, why did I not change my major two or three times like my kid, you know, kids, well, my kids didn't do it, but they should have done it too. So. <laughs>
0: Right, way to through, uh, kids out there. Uh, when you're going through school uh, and you got a parent who's on the hook, why not just keep uh, keep that dream uh, alive? <laughs> yeah,
2: and just go go to them and you know take your glasses off and like pretend like you cried, Dad. I really, I really need to change majors. And you know you, you got to sell it. You got to sell it hard, but but change majors.
0: There's that uh, sales experience showing <laughs> through. Uh, and it, was there anything noteworthy about your university experience that may still have an impact on you today?
2: Well going you know going to to France for that for that semester was we were in terms and we had ten week terms, so I can't really say semester but uh it was that was a, that was very impactful you know to go learn another language and see how the other half lives and people you know people think of Americans. I'd traveled before I was an exchange student in Brazil in high school, so it wasn't my first time doing it, but it's kind of interesting seeing the european way that they look at Americans versus the South American way to look at Americans. And, you know, I, we're, it's an international community. Now you can't, you can't isolate, you can't hide in a corner. We're all there together, yeah. even more so with podcasts and, and, you know, the internet and everything we have today.
0: It truly is a small world. Uh, hopefully that song, that song won't get stuck in people's head now that I've said that uh, it's a small, small world. world but, uh, hey, don't go to Disney. Yeah. Uh, how about your first, your first proper job, your first formal job, uh, what was that like?
2: Um, that was right out of college, and it was I think that's one of the funniest stories, and I think this is good for everybody to know and, and never take no for an answer. I mean, no typically means that you haven't give, so, given someone enough information. So I um, you know at Penn State, there were five thousand people graduating me that year, and you had to put in for um, you had to put in for you know interviews with different companies. And so my father was with Armstrong World Industries which is still a viable company today. They're like a 125-year-old brand. And um, I, I did not get chosen out of the five, you know, they were probably, I don't know, 1,500 people just in marketing graduating with me. And I didn't get chosen for the interview, so I waited on the outside of the room. And when the door opened, um, there was a young lady sitting there, and a guy came out, and the interviewer, the interviewee came out, and I said, hey, I'm really interested in your company. Would you mind if I could you know, get an interview? And she goes, you know, we're looking for people like that that are a little bit you know, ag- aggressive, assertive. And uh, she goes, "You know, come back at 4.30. This is an honest, honest story. She, I hand her my resume, because remember, she's never seen it before. I hand her my resume and she looks down and she goes, are you Barth? And I'm like, well, it does say Barth General on my resume. And she goes, you live at 130 North Gill Street. And I said, well, I do. Yeah, it said it on my resume. She goes. I slept in your bed last weekend. Don't go there, Steve. Do not go there. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you the background story. The background story is: I lived with three girls, or no, four girls. I lived with four girls in a house my senior year, and I was away that weekend. And the one girl had a, a boy, you know, had a, a her brother coming in, or no, was, the one girl had her sister coming in, and uh, and her boyfriend, and and so this gal ends up sleeping in my room because I wasn't there. So needless to say, I went on to the next interview. I mean, I was kind of an in, if you will. Yeah, and, that's uh, pretty sweet. I, but, I thought
0: we were heading down to threes Company route there for a minute. But
2: uh, yeah. No, but I guess the bottom line of the story is I was told, no, it didn't bother me. I went and got the interview. I got lucky. Luck is the residue of design. If you don't put yourself out there, you'll never get lucky. I got lucky that I knew, you know, that she knew of me. I wasn't there that weekend, so she didn't know me personally. But it all worked out. And then that job that I took she was interviewing for my father's company. So my father and I actually got to work together for seven years. So, but I I never mentioned my dad in the first part, but I did tell her, you know, afterwards. And that was actually a negative because they had hired people before that didn't work out. that were sons of like legendary salespeople at the company. My dad was a legend. And, uh, you know, it really, um, it was a kind of a negative for me in a way, but I overcame that too somehow. So, and Armstrong's a great company, great beginning, great training, and a, you know, great place to sow my sow my oats.
0: Yeah, very, very uh, famous in that particular industry for having uh, comprehensive training and uh, kind of deep uh, roots in bringing people from out of school and into a productive uh, selling unit. I presume you were were you in sales or marketing or how, what was the role? Again? Sales. Yeah, I had. I they put
2: me in South Louisiana. I had South Louisiana, South Mississippi because I just got back from France so i knew french and you know there's a big big k you know k, cajun contingent down there that speaks french and it did help me quite a bit some of them some places i'd go the, the business people always spoke english but the customers would walk in sometime and very very broken english
0: more french than english boy that's amazing uh so how about um uh, tell us uh, you know based on where you are today in your career uh, which is storied. And, and there's other things that we'll probably dip into uh, talking about your co-op uh, experience and history and so forth. But w- was there any defining moment that put you kind of on the road that you uh, have arrived on today? Um, you know, it, 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 the one good
2: thing is I was glad that I, you know, I I worked a long time before I started to manage people. I probably was in my position 11, 12 years um, in one job, you know, being a sales rep on the road. And then I, w- I became a I went over to this other big cooperative named CCA Global Partners. Um, they're still in business too. That'd be Carpet One, Flooring America Pro Source, uh, Floor Trader. There, there's thirteen different brands. And I, I ended up becoming vice president there. But I, I think the defining moment for me was I, I got there and I you know, I it, and I I am I'm, I'm worried sometimes with like my children and things when they they, they kinda wanna get for, uh, you know further up in a company very quickly and i always say it's so important to pay your dues and to understand and you know, i was in the field a lot i got to deal with customers i got to i got beat up a lot and i you know i think this gray hair i've earned it um, and i wouldn't trade it i don't dye it because i like it i like to show the fact that i you know that i i i had to struggle to get where i was so i got into the position and i had a boss that was a, a again a consummate salesman learned a lot from the guy and he passed away from cancer and so they made me VP. And I think, I think, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you a story, a quick story about my childhood too. But um, I think that really made me look at it like, you know, life is short. He was 49 years old. He was a mentor to me. And, it, you know, you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to make every day count and, and uh, you're not going to, you're not going to sweat the small things. So I think that was the defining moment, but I'll, I'll digress just one second. When when I was born, um, my mom was, I was eight months, she was eight months pregnant with me and she was hit by another vehicle in the passenger side and ejected from the vehicle. And so I was born. from the vehicle.
0: Yeah. Physically yes. removed from the vehicle. Well, that's a serious accident.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And my dad was coming back and actually, you know, saw her laying there. He was down to buy a paper and it was two blocks from my house. So my mom had me with a fractured pelvis glass all through. She still has a piece of glass here and a piece of glass in her leg. But uh, get a little emotional on this one, but sure. yeah, she, um, you know, recovered. It took her three months. She was in the hospital. So, you know, that really started the whole, cause you know, I don't remember it obviously, but it really started the whole thing. Like when everybody tells you you're lucky, you know, to be alive, you're lucky to have gone through that kind of stuff. You know, you get to the point where you believe you're lucky. <laughs> I mean, I really believe I am. know, sure. uh, so, you know, if, if something bad happens and you think you're not, you're unlucky, you're going to look at it in a negative way. Something bad happens and you really in your heart feel you're lucky. You're like, eh, you know, it's a setback in the road. It's a, it's a, it's a bump and I'm going to move forward. So those were the, you know, that was the personal defining moment and the, uh, and the uh, business defining moment all wrapped up in one. And I I am. I am a crier sometimes, too. I get emotional when I think...
0: <laughs> That's good. Well, later we're going to talk about my favorite episodes of Seinfeld, and we'll have you crying and laughing. Uh, but you know, <laughs> listen, the, the reality is I love those kind of stories because they really do help put perspective on things. And Osmers out there know that you know, we're going to have those lightning bolts that show up in our businesses and our personal lives. And that we've, we've talked to other awesomers already who've shared extraordinarily personal stories of triumph and tragedy and everything in between and it, this is what life is right and, and but it is. This is a fundamental truth though that awesomers don't just let life tell us the way it is we deal with it we're grateful for what we have and we make the best of what we have and we and we continue to incrementally try to improve our lives that's what awesomers are all about so i, I really love that story and and uh what an <laughs> incredible way to come into the world honestly yeah and you know when you have nuns telling you you're special your whole
2: life you, you start to think well it must be special or something but i am um, i uh and you know me well enough now. You, you probably don't think so. I'm kidding, but uh, the the um, it's interesting with my children, raising my children. I have a 29 year old and a 27 year old, and they would you know come home from from school and you know they'd have a bad day, and somebody would have said something to them, or they got a bad grade on a test, and I'd be like, great, you know, and they'd be like, well, Dad, you know, you're supposed to be rooting for me. I said, I'm rooting for you. I'm just rooting for you to overcome it bad stuff's going to happen, people. I mean, it is going to happen. And, you know, just slough it off. And I always tell people, if you have one more day to live, you know, you have a chance to change the world. You have a chance to to turn it around if you have one more day. The only time it's really bad news is when someone says you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> That's bad news. Other than that, live each day, you know, to its fullest.
0: Yeah, and it ain't tomorrow yet. So uh, let's, let's make a go of uh, today. So yeah, right. I, I definitely agree with that. I love that. Um, how about um, when you think about your your journey professionally so far, especially in the co-op world? Uh, what, is there a big lesson that you've learned uh, that you wish to share with the audience?
2: Yeah, it's it's really, you know, it's it's the solidarity of what you can do. And and you know, I came here specifically because I thought I'm intrigued by the whole e-commerce world. I'm intrigued how e-sellers feel alone out there and and are looking for a way to, you know, they're have their, their a, a mom and pop, they're, you know, two or three people, brother, sister, you know, a couple partners, and they don't have this infrastructure. You know, you and I have both been in corporate America and we know what it's like on both sides. We know what it's like to sit in our home office like I am now, and I know what it's like to be in a big office with marketing departments and everything else. What a co-op, I, I, I think my, the biggest learning I had in, from my co-op experience was when you join together, and you do things together, what in like, you know, you and I kind of have a roadmap of where we see things going, but when you get all this other brain power involved of these successful people, these other awesomers, what can develop out of it is beyond anyone's expectations because you go where, you know, you go where the collective wants you to go and the collective always wants you to do things that betters everyone. That's why a cooperative is so cool, I think, and, uh, and they work in all industries too.
0: It really does. Uh... And this is one of those things, and we're going to dive in a little bit more uh, here in a bit on what is a cooperative and why does it matter and, and so forth. But the, the reality is, when you have more brain power around the table, you get better results, right? Uh, as smart as Barth is, or I am, or anybody else, uh, or not smart, either way, uh, people can judge for themselves. But uh, regardless, you know, individuals can make decisions based on our own knowledge, our own inputs, our own resources. But the more of those you put around a table, the better things can happen. This doesn't mean we turn things into a, a church committee where nothing ever happens. This means we, we take decisive action based on the best available uh, information and the most profitable and the most productive outcomes, whatever those may be. So uh, I think it's a really, really good lesson to share there. Yeah, well, I'll just tell you one thing. You know, John F. Kennedy would make decisions. He always
2: would have a round table and he would always listen to everyone's opinion. He knew he was the final word. He knew you know Cuban missile crisis bay of pigs whatever it all rested on him but he always you know solicited his brother was a big part of his administration cuz he trusted him but he always solicited the best and the brightest minds opinions and then he based his decision on that that's the best way to run a company i believe
0: leadership no. really should be about that idea of bringing in multiple opinions and ultimately the leader's responsible uh, for that choice and even if there's dissent, you know, and the leader knows or feels that a certain direction has to be uh, followed, that's okay. But bringing in that input, I think it makes better decisions uh, at large, for sure. So Yeah, I,
2: I never, uh, Steve, that's funny, and I, I never think I'm right, ever, ever. I never think, like, if you say, are you right, Barth? I'll be like, well, based on the information I have, yes. Based on what everybody else told me, I think I made the right decision. But what my my right decision today, or in three hours, like with this legislation for e-commerce sellers now having to pay sales tax, you know, you you make a a, a decision I made yesterday might have been great if that wouldn't have gone that way, and then to, all of a sudden it's not a great decision. So I never ever feel right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it's a, it follows my axiom zero, Osmers. Some of uh, you may already know this, but it is I don't know nothing about nothing. And, uh, uh, you know, for it's me, true. that's how I approach every meeting. That's how I approach every decision because there's other people who know more about it. And I just want to learn and then make my best uh, choice. So I, I really do respect that. Um, how about in your journey? Was there a time, you know, maybe you faced some adversity where you're like, I just want to give up. I, th- this just isn't worth the pain. Uh, no. Never for you. Yeah, that's because of how you were born. (laughs) You're like, there's no point. I was ejected from a vehicle. Yeah, never. Like
2: I've never, you know, and I've had friends that you know chose not to live, and I mean that kind of thing. But you know, it's um, it's never. I, you know, because it's always, you know, if you, you know, if you really, if there's no adversity, like, you know, like back to my kids, when they'd come home with that story, I'd be like, if you didn't struggle, you wouldn't know how to handle the next, you know the next setback, I won't say defeat. And I, I saw a quote the other day and I can't remember who said it, but they said, you know, one, one defeat is not, is not a final defeat. And, and that's true. It's just all a string of, you know, but I, I, there was never been, I can never remember a point where I said, that's it. You know, I, I, I give up on my business career because, you know, in sales and I love it. I think, you know, the awesomers out there watching this can tell that I, I, you know, you could probably, I ooze that I love people. I ooze that I, you know, I love to, you know, to, Share my story, but um, you know it's so much fun to walk in and, and develop relationships with people. And That's why I co-op. Back to the co-op thing, because the members own us. Like back in my past world at CCA, um, you know, you, you 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 care about them anyway because they're you know they're you know they're people. You care about them because they're buying things through your group, but they also own you, and they're kind of they're the we we look at ourselves in a co-op as the as the sailors and uh, the the members are actually have their hand on the tiller. So we're swabbing the decks, we're setting the sails, we're repairing things, um, and they're, but, the, but the captain's telling us which way to go. And that's so, so, you know, in the co-op world, it was always so much fun to get close to people. And and I, I'd be helping them fix their issues. So it never, it always like, never felt like my issue was the worst because I was trying to help
0: them more. Yeah, that's a, a interesting perspective to be able to kind of help from the outside often the the storm is not a stormy from the outside looking in right when you're in the middle of the uh the the storm itself uh, and the lightning bolts are hitting you sometimes you just don't know what to do but this is where co-ops are uh kind of a an external force for good and uh can can lead to good things so uh how about give me a you know in your professional life was there a best day some some day that really stood out where you're like oh man i am so thrilled to be a part of this today anything you can share
2: yeah. You know, and it's back to, I hate to, I hate to keep going back to the overcoming objections, but I was early on in my career. I, it was like the first two weeks of coming out of college and going to work for Armstrong. And, uh, they put me in, like I said, South Louisiana, South Mississippi. And I didn't know where the heck I was going. Like, I didn't know, you know, I, I was from Pennsylvania. I didn't know where the roads went. I didn't know how to get the Biloxi or, 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 uh, Ocean Springs or any of that, um, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, All you know, those are all places that I travel, Homa, I mean, I went down to New Iberia where they make Tabasco, so I had that all as my territory. And uh, I went to visit this one account because it was, you know, right off the interstate and about 10 days went by before I, I visited an account that was near them, probably 20, 30 miles away that they were competitive against that I didn't know, because obviously I didn't know the landscape of the marketplace. And I walked in, and this lady, um, Peggy Chambers, God rest her soul, but she called me all sorts of names. And she's like, you know, I can't believe that you didn't come see me first. You went to because I guess a rep had seen me over at a competitor, and so she was all over me. And I, you know, I'm 21 years old, just get out of college, first real, you know, first week on the road. And I had been through training, but this is the real deal. And she's all over me, and I'm like, you know, I didn't know what the heck I did wrong, even so. I took it on the chin, you know. Dragged my tail out of there afterwards. So I knew my parents were coming down to visit me, and my dad was with the same company, like I said. So I I pull the family card. So my dad, big guy, 6'5", 300 pounds, big voice. He passed away six months ago. Great guy. But he um he goes in and he uh he starts he was he's emotional like I am. So he starts giving her the hand on the chest, like <laughs> my son, my son. So the day that. I left that territory. I was only there about a year and a half and I got promoted to the uh, St. Louis territory where I met the CEO of the company, the CCA, where I, you know, where I ended up for 20, 25 years. But she, um, the day I left, uh, she had a a going away party for me, including a cake at the store. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And And to me that was like, you know, you want to talk full circle. Here's this young guy going in getting it, getting it handed to him. And then by the time I was done with her, I, I employed the father and my, I brought my mom in too, and she's a doll. So the two of them worked on Peggy. And then, you know, I, I performed for her. I made sure that I took care of her problems. But by the time I left, I had a cake with my name on it. That is knowing that, and they did a lot of business with me in the meantime too. It supported my brand really well, but that's when, you know, you got it when, you know, when you get to see somebody, I love when someone says no to me, my wife hates it. Cause when we're at, you know, at, uh, at even buying anything, I like to get no three times. If I don't get no three times, I feel like even when I was, you know, negotiating with you, Steve, I like when you say no to me because if you don't get said no to, if someone says yes right away, you're like, well, hell,
0: what was laying on the table? There's more to be had. Yeah, that's for sure. And just for everybody's reference out there in that particular industry, you know, sales reps change relatively frequently And, you know, let's say, you know, every year and a half, two years, three years, you have a new rep on a particular brand. It is not common. It's, I've never even heard of somebody throwing a party for a sales rep going out of town, uh, let alone bringing them a cake. You know, it's usually like, oh, uh, that guy's gone. I liked him. He's a good guy. I hope the new guy's that good or, or vice versa. It could be, uh, you know, their judgment or opinion, but I've never seen a party given away. That's, uh, that's amazing
2: there's one other, there's another valuable lesson for the young awesomers out there that sell. And that is, and I did this every time I went to a new territory and it was about four different territories I had. I never brought my product in on the first call ever, ever, because it wasn't about my product. It was about the relationship with the retailer. And one of my best friends now, he has two, uh, he has a store up in, in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. His name's Jim Fink. He, um, he, I walked in there that day and he had hunt, I'm a hunter, and he has hunting stuff all over his walls. And I didn't, I didn't even talk about my product at all. And years later, he said, the reason you, um, you you know, won me over quickly is because you didn't care. I could tell you cared about me and what I like to do. And, and, you know, went around and introduced myself to every employee in there, including the warehouse guy. But and, and it was so weird. Like, I didn't know I was doing, like, I didn't read a book. I didn't, I think it was my father, you know, teaching me you know, in, in my family, when you walk into a room and it's an Italian Catholic background, when you walk into a room, you kiss everybody in the room. You go up, and shake their hand, you look them in the eye, and you know, there's some people you didn't even want to kiss because the aunts would grab your cheek, and you know, uh, you have rosy cheeks the rest of the day. But you know, you always greet people, and it's it's amazing what those little things do to make your career just flourish and it's not how hard you work it's how it's how smart you work and those little things of getting to know people just it, it just it, it it i tell our staff this all the time the little things you do when you first meet somebody they remember that the entire length of your relationship
0: yeah it's you know relationships we talk about uh, regularly on this program that you know we have a lot of technology we have a lot of uh, kind of gadgets and gizmos but relationships are still one of the most important things if not the most important things that can last a lifetime and it, you know my philosophy and Barth shares this in fact this is kind of a, a the premise of of most of the things that we've done including the the cooperative but it's like what can we do for you first well you know and maybe we never ask for anything we need to have done um you know but giving to people paying it forward is very important and building relationships comes natural to you because that's how you uh, approach things so that's a very good story well, one more
2: thing. The I, I was watching after the Berkshire meeting. Um, my brother goes to that Berkshire Hathaway meeting every year, obviously, as a CEO. And so I was more, you know, I don't watch NBC all the time, but I was more like focused on what the happenings of the meeting because I knew my brother and sister-in-law were there. And uh, I, uh, Bill Gates, Char- Charlie Munger, you know, his partner, uh, uh, Warren Buffett's partner for 100 years. I mean, they're 92 and 87, I believe. And, uh, and, they, 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 and the three of them are on MSNBC together. And you know these guys can buy and sell most countries, literally can buy and sell most countries. And they, they all said, like, why do you hang with each other? And every one of them said, because I like to learn from people smarter than I am. So you learn two lessons there. One, there's always somebody smarter than you. And two, you better be humble enough to know that there's somebody smarter than you, because there's a lot of people in this world that always think they're right. You know them. Every one of you awesomers knows. You know they may even be in your family, but you know you should always strive to be the one. Feel like you're the dumbest person in the room because that's how you learn the most. Let other people tell you what they're thinking, even though I talk so much as I do, so I'm probably being hypocritical. But I do talk a lot.
0: <laughs> no, that's uh, I, again well uh, well-founded advice there. Uh, when you really do take in information from the outside and then form your opinion, it's better. Uh, when you hang out with people, you know, uh, the, the old saying is you, you know, you're kind of the, the your net worth is your network or you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. You may as well make them, uh, you know, awesomer kinds of people and uh, not drag yourself down uh, with people who are, you know, either normies or basics. The basics are, are my definition of the the guys who are just, they're just kind of the a-holes of the, the planet that, that don't add a lot of value. And normies are great. We love them. But they're they're not trying to break any paradigms. They just want to kind of carry on. And, uh, you know, awesomers love to break paradigms. So uh, before we jump into our, our uh, kind of uh, deep dive into the co-op concept and, and the looking at the future, do you have a, a tool that you use day-to-day, Barth, that you want to share? Maybe it's an app or maybe it's a, a morning routine or anything that you would use a technology tool anything that uh, you wish to share with the awesomeers out there that kind of help uh, your life or business day to day um
2: you 're going to laugh at this and because and, uh, all of my millennial employees and friends always do, but I still use a a, a regular planner I have it right to my right, <laughs> and I use the old school planner, and i don 't know I like to see things written I think sometimes with with technology and and look at its screens all day. You kind of lose, you know. You, you, my my son is a was an English major, and you know I can't remember how he put it, but you know, books the flesh, the pages were the flesh, and the ink was the blood. And uh, so I, I still write a lot of things down. I um, you know I'm all, especially you know now with with in the e-commerce world that I've that I've jumped into. I'm using so much more technology. Um, I, I use actually a CRM that we're developing called Persimmon. I use that a lot. Um, and that's actually better, uh, some better CRM than was, uh, we, we used my last company, we used, um, pipe drive. Oh man, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, it's a, it's a commercial off the shelf product, but I, it's really bad. So, so that's really the way I run my life. Um, and, but I, I still believe in paper. Um, and I still believe, you know, I use apps all the time, but I still believe in writing things down every once in a while because it jogs my memory more.
0: Yeah, there's also some, uh, um, I don't know if it's a study or or, uh, uh, some general research that that indicated that, you know, uh, when you write down certain things, you're more likely to remember them as well. So uh, I'm not sure if that translates into typing things or physically writing them, but uh, there are definitely things that I still write down today. So that's very good. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back.
1: Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, well, here we are back again, Awesomers.com podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us, and thank you for telling a friend. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Uh, we've got Barth Jetto with us today, and today we are talking about kind of his background. We've already gotten kind of his origin story, and we're going to ask him to look uh, to the future here in a minute, but first we want to dive into a little bit more about what is a co-op? And Barth, one of the, the stories that, uh, that I enjoy is kind of what, what's the first co-op? Where, is this a new idea? Is this an old idea? Where, where did these things come from?
2: Amazing you ask me that, Stephen. Uh, the, uh, the, the first co ops were actually formed in Europe, you know, middle, probably early, early 18th century, so 1700s. Uh, the first one in the United States was founded by none other than Ben Franklin. You know, we wouldn't have electricity, I, these glasses, I wouldn't be wearing these bifocals. Um, there's a lot of things he invented, but one of them was a, I think he saw it in Europe because he would spend a lot of time in Europe and um, he brought back, and it was in Philadelphia, so every time there'd be, there'd be a lot of fires, houses were all wooden, um, obviously, and, and you know, they didn't have the, the fire trucks we have today, so houses would burn down. The, um, eight, the insurance company that the person was paying would abscond with the money, because obviously they didn't want to pay a big claim. So I think uh, uh, Benjamin said, hey, why don't we make it a cooperative, so everybody pulls their money together, they're all equal share owners, when there's a fire, obviously the money's right there there's nobody to have with it and so it grew from there and today there are 30,000 you know 30,000 plus i don't know the exact number you see all different numbers on when you look that look this up um, all over the united states and all over the world the, the ones all over the world typically are ag co-ops agricultural co-ops so the ag co-ops that you you're, you're going to know are SunKissed navel oranges blue diamond almonds welch's grape juice those were all independent growers marketing together uh, growing to a certain standard, you know, maybe more organically, whatever it may be. Um, and then there's also purchasing co-ops. Ones you would know would be um, True Value, Ace Hardware, Napa Auto Parts. Um, REI is actually a consumer co-op that you can buy um, outdoor wear from, and then you get a rebate check at the end of the year based on your purchases. So that's, that's really where co-ops came from. Um, that's the three basic types of co-op. And there's actually the National Cooperative Business Association in Washington, DC, that kind of helps co-ops grow. There's a national co-op bank that will lend money only to cooperatives. Oh, by the way, um, credit unions are all cooperatives too. So I just read this recently, 100 million households out of the 300 million some that are in the United States, 300 million people in the United States, actually are a member of a co-op, even if they don't know it.
0: Yeah, I definitely, um, I'm glad you shared that because, People don't really understand the, what a co-op is per se. Sometimes they'll hear the word co-op and it's like, oh, my my preschool is a co-op. And they, they don't even know what that means. Or, yeah, REI, I've heard it's a co-op and I get this check back, but they, they don't know how it all fits together. But uh, it, it, I think it's fair to say that a cooperative is a group joining together for a specific purpose. And then the the idea, particularly with uh, empowering, is to band together to kind of Aggregate buying power, uh, maybe get you know a little upfront discount, a little extra perks, and then have a patronage d- dividend for the equity members on the backside of the, the equation. Is that how you see it as well? Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I tell people all the time it's the most egalitarian and democratic business structure there is. I mean, think of a franchise, um, but uh, you know, similar to a franchise, but it's owned by the members themselves. So, you know, and a franchise has is kind of paternalistic. It kind of tells you how to run your, the business and the best practices. This is actually flopped. This is the members telling us, here's how I want the business run. Um, but, it, you know, you do tend to, you, you try to find all of the little things that people do together and you go out and, and you have employees in place that are experts, subject matter experts. We have a new uh, gentleman just joined us and he was with me at, at our lab in my, you know, two, back at CCA Global named Ed Carr and he's our director of supply chain. Well, he has bought hundreds of millions of dollars worth of product collectively back in the day when we were on the flooring side and we brought him on to do the same thing here because again, you know, having that buying power is huge. So people ask me this all the time, prospective members, they say, what is your vision of empowering?" And this is tongue in cheek, but this is absolutely positively serious. And I respond very quickly to them and I say, I would like to be getting a personal holiday card from Jeff Bezos in two years. And and they, they laugh a little bit and I say, no, think about it. It's not about me. I want him to know that Empowery is strong enough that, and, and he, he cares enough about the group that he's going to get to me. And I hope he sends them to, you know, to Steve and the rest of our employees too. But he knows we're enough on the map that he says, I need to stay in touch with those folks. I need to have a, you know, a, a friendship with them outside of business because they are driving so much volume through Amazon and you know I see us ultimately going to them someday in other marketplaces too and saying hey you know give us a special deal we're bringing you the best the brightest good credit um, successful sellers that going to it's going to make your system work better so why not give us some sort of a perk pack or or a discount off of the off of the actual you know overhead take um, because we we do it better, faster, you know smarter, cleaner.
0: Yeah, and this is you know this really is a big vision. Um, you know, it starts with the the idea that a member can join a co-op and you know have access to resources they wouldn't otherwise have access to. You know there uh, people like Barth, who has you know himself been involved with you know hundreds of millions of uh, sales, probably billions of sales actually with the the members you brought into your past co-ops. You know, if you oh, aggregated their sales, it's in the billions.
2: Billion, billion, over a, probably over a billion dollars now easily. I mean, yeah. I, we bought 630 stores in when I was there. And, you know, that was tw- 20 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the massive uh, volume. So not, not just Barth, but Ed and one of the other uh, kind of uh, thought leaders and co-founders, Evan Hackle, they've been responsible for, you know, billions and billions of dollars worth of volume and throughput. And so they understand how to negotiate. They understand how to put these things in structure and in place. And this is what is important for members out there to understand, or prospective members even, that you get access to some of these resources that work on your behalf. Uh, they work as a collective. They don't work, you know, for you individually. Like, hey, go scrub the floors. But they're, you know, if you have a problem and you say, "Gosh, I really need to get this better deal done with you know brand X," and we. Uh, as a collective co-op, say, yes, we have a deal with them, or no, we don't. We should get one. That's a really powerful thing to be able to de- deploy external resources and share a tiny little cost uh, per member.
2: Well, and, I, and I, I'll tell you, Steve, I am and have been, every time I've been with a co-op, I'm a drug salesman. I'm, I'm a, you know, and, and I, I hope the DEA is not listening, but no, I mean, I say it tongue in cheek a little bit, but I'm I'm, I'm selling, it's, it's like selling a healthy, holistic Organic drug that is legal uh, and that that we have sort of a we have a a patent on because there's nobody else in the business doing this. But you know, people get addicted to it because, especially in the e-commerce world, where I'm really finding there's a lot of loneliness and you know, oh my god, did I make the right decision? And who do I go to to you know? I I, I I'm not a financial person, and my business is doing two million dollars a month now, and I you know I, I need a I need a CFO, I need somebody to talk to. You know, in this business, you see very successful companies like uh, Amazing Selling Machine and those type folks, uh, all unbelievably good organizations and necessary because collectively the knowledge is so important. Well, take them, take a group like that and add in executives that, that you know, that you guys all are responsible basically for hiring and, 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 and you own it. So you have, you have all that professionalism that these groups that, 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 that are out in the industry today and, but you own, you own the company too. So you're getting best of, the both, best of both worlds. And when, when one member, it's like being in a neighborhood. If you know, you know that when someone, they break their foot and you're gonna go cut your neighbor's grass, you know um, that when you do so, something happens to you, they're gonna be overcutting yours. Same thing in a cooperative. You have a, you have a problem, you have an issue. Everybody's going to come to your aid because they know when they have an issue that they're gonna be looking back for your assistance too.
0: It's a big well, family. Yeah, this this um, is one of those kind of intangibles, but it's such an important thing when you think about a community. That you know, first of all, the isolation uh, that you can feel as an entrepreneur is difficult, especially e-commerce guys. Uh, often those who are Amazon cornerstone businesses, these people are you know focused primarily on Amazon as they're starting uh, out. The you know, I always uh, point to the you know the guy or the gal and their cat in the basement. This is the uh, executive team. That's that can be a lonely situation. And so by, you know, being a part of a community and being a part of a co-op that you, you know, kind of own that community, uh, it, it helps everybody to share best practices. Nobody wins, nobody loses. Everybody just, I guess everybody wins uh, in that context. So it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, and, and we're really inclusive,
2: not exclusive. Like, I, I hope we can have great relationships with the ASMs of the world, with, um, you know, a lot of the vendors that are out there. I mean, we're just trying to make it better for everyone else. We're not trying to take anyone else's business. We're not trying to, you know, we're, we're not trying to infringe on any other, any other business type. We're just trying to have a, a repository for all the best practices and subject matter knowledge you can as an e-commerce um, e-seller. And we're also just trying to make it, we're, we're, we're trying to have a place where you can go feel safe. I mean, we, we should be the place where any any e-seller goes when they're when they're stressed, when they when they don't know the answer to a question. Start here first, because a lot of times we're not going to know the answer. I mean, Steve knows a lot about e-selling and, and e-commerce, but he doesn't know everything. But we sure in the heck know somebody that does. <laughs> you know, if you have when you get up to a thousand, two thousand members, there are going to be a hell of a lot of, of brain power there to help. And uh, that's really where we're going with it. So obviously, I'm excited and, and enthusiastic, but almost evangelistic, because I've seen it work before. This isn't my first rodeo.
0: Yeah, it is uh, it is really great. And the, the, again, this is the, one of the best parts is there's no adversarial uh, line drawing here. Any of these- What's
2: co- that? What do, you, what do you mean? There's no- I, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, between Barth and I, there is a- uh, Yeah, he's my nemesis. But uh, outside of that, in the co-op, yeah, there's uh, there really is no adversarial uh, activity, because um, give it an example, like the amazing.com guys, wonderful community, wonderful training. And we can, as a co-op help bring some of that to, uh, new members or people who have not been exposed to that. There are other resources, uh, maybe they're shipping resources, or maybe they're, you know, uh, tools or, you know, ways to improve efficiency. All these resources can have a financially beneficial impact for a co-op member, uh, to, to, get access to those things and so these things can be you know where a, a supplier or service provider or you know content creator can win the co-op member can win and ultimately that means all the members win as well and so it's a to, to me that's the power of a co-op and why I, I, I am feel so strongly about it that you know it's it's an amazing uh, way for people to come together.
2: Well but, you know to, to build on that a second Steve like think about it if if we go in as a group, but with any service, really it doesn't matter. Just put, you know, I'll say X service, and you can plug in whatever you want X to be. But if we go in as a group, first of all, we're going to have more clout with them; they're going to listen. Secondly, we're going to negotiate uh, an, a better than a favored nation or better than street price because we're going in together. Third, we're going to we're going to uh, negotiate a rebate on the back end that is only available to the co-op shareholder to the equity member and then this is probably the most important well vetting it on the front end is probably the most important thing cuz that saves somebody so much time and you don't make a bad decision but this this the last part folds into the first part into the vetting part that being when something goes wrong everybody has my cell phone number if if you look when i send you an email my cell phone is on my signature i don't hide behind anything you ever want to get a hold of me text me call me Um, because I am going to be the first person that calls that vendor and says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, you're, you're, you have 200 of our members are are buying through your system, using your software, whatever it may be. And you're going to fight Joe in, in Keokuk, Iowa over this invoice. Are you, do you want to lose all this business? Because now, now turn that around. If you don't have the co-op, you don't have this collective strength. That Joe's going to have to go to that vendor, and what's a vendor going to say? I don't care if I lose your business. I, have, you know, see you later. The other thing in a co-op that's important, and I and I learned this, you know, firsthand being at other co-ops. It's not what you buy; it's what you don't buy sometimes too. So by not using a software system that is that is uh, vetted and promoted by the co-op or a vendor that's vetted and promoted by the co-op, you're you're you know you're decreasing the power of all the other members. Because when there's solidarity, when they know, when, when a vendor knows that they can't go around a co-op member to get anything, they have to go straight through the co-op. They can't do a, a, a flank. They can't do a sidestep. It, it's unbelievable what happens. It's unbelievable the way the vendors start to uh, behave. It's almost like you can open up a, a confessional and uh, give them the sign of the cross because they're gonna, they're, they'll never sin again.
0: <laughs> well, this is the. It, it really does, uh, you know. Ultimately, help both sides because, you know, once the, the ground rules are pretty simple, it's like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to work and act as a group instead of as an individual. It helps vendors aggregate uh, volume. It helps them lower their cost per acquisition. It increases their lifetime value, and for all the members, it can decrease the, the kind of upfront cost. In, in many cases, there might be a little upfront discount. And, uh, and then for equity members on the backside, there's a patronage dividend that is paid. So believe it or not, in the co-op environment, when we get it right and when people really use the resources, a member can actually get paid to be a member, right? Uh, regardless of you know, whatever the, the fees or whatever, they're going to be able to earn a patronage dividend, uh, a co-op equity member can earn these dividends that could end up exceeding everything they paid and then some. So it makes an investment. What a what a crazy concept to say I've got this external organization with all these great people working in it and they pay me to be a member. That's when the magic really starts to take off. Don't you agree?
2: Yeah, I, I mean I, I think if there's an e-seller out there that is doing, you know, over five hundred thousand dollars a year on whatever market, you know, fill in the marketplace. And they are using our programs, you know, and, and a lot of them, were, look, we're new and a lot of them are still being developed. I mean, we need to hear from the members as to what programs they want so we can go get them. You know, it's, it's kind of a chicken and the egg sort of thing. But we have probably 30 programs today. And if you're using those programs, the half million dollars are up, you are going to negate, you know, self-liquidate the, the, the small fee that we charge on a monthly basis. No, no doubt about it. you know, it's, it's, it's a gimme if you're using the programs and you're doing, you know, a reasonable amount of volume.
0: Well, and this, again, um, the power of these things is when you, uh, utilize the resources. Um, there's, there's really a lot to a co-op and, and we may do a deeper dive and bring, uh, Barth and, and some of the other team back at some point and talk about the, the authority, uh, and awesome authority, uh, episode. But the, the reality is it is a true, you know, uh, non-profit, which means once the overhead is paid, and by the way, the ma- the members always get the majority back, right? Uh, so whatever goes into it, the, the overhead has to be paid. Uh, turns out uh, people who work want to to make money, and there are, are bills that go along with uh, running a co-op. But once that's paid, the members always get the majority back, and, and the, the it's a non-profit company. So, you know, the co-op itself... Uh, puts all its dividends, you know, after expenses, all its dividends or patronage goes back to the members, which is always the majority at a minimum.
2: Yeah. And it, and it's, and even our, even our documentation and our bylaws, they are so cookie cutter for co-ops. I mean, there's no surprises in it. It's co-ops are very regulated. You know, they're, they're, they're a, a solid business structure. And when you see the documents, you know, they, so much of the wording is so common from any other co-op document I've ever seen, but beyond the, I, I got to tell you, Steve, that the beyond the the buying and and how you you know the, the camaraderie and all of the things that I think we're you know will build because we're going to have a meeting, an annual meeting every year, probably in Seattle, probably in April of ne- of two thousand nineteen for everyone for this collective buying power and this collective knowledge to all be together in one room because you can't computers can't well, they will never ever I don't care how good they get they will never replace in person meetings. But, you know, the,
1: the, real, the real
2: goal of this thing is, to, is, like I said, be able to go to the marketplace executives, be it Walmart.com or Jet or, or Wish or, or Amazon, and, you know, and, and say, look, we want something more. That's what happened in the flooring industry back where I used to be. The, the, the manufacturers were so large that the independents had no say in anything that would happen anymore. In marketing, merchandising, pricing, nothing. I and mean, they were at the will of the big manufacturer. Now they're as big as the big manufacturers. So they, they talk, it's it's two 800-pound gorillas as opposed to an 800-pound gorilla and a chimpanzee that you know can't possibly fight the battle because they're just outgunned, they're outmuscled. So my vision really honestly is that the day I see the mailman pull up, And stick in my mailbox the holiday card from an Amazon executive because, you know, who knows if Jeff will be around, maybe he'll appoint someone else. I don't care who sends it. As long as somebody up that food chain knows we exist, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, I do love that. That's a great crystal ball prediction uh, from Barth Jetto right there. The the reality is if, you know, if there's enough members and we can pull together, being able to negotiate, um, you know, better FBA rates. Uh, lower listing fees or rebates on on some of the fees that exists, maybe even uh, you know other benefits, uh, although this is again speculative and, and future driven, the only way it works is when you get enough people to make that eight hundred pound gorilla stand in the room with the other eight hundred pound gorilla and you know I, I definitely think that some of the the early founding members you know saw that same kind of vision and we asked them to kind of put up some of the headlines. For, that would be, you know, in the Wall Street Journal 10 years from the day we founded uh, the organization. You know, what, what would that look like? And many of the headlines were, were, you know, driven to, you know, Amazon capitulates, you know, after Empowery, um, you know, goes on strike, you know, <laughs> or something like that. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of great vision from the, the founding members. And I, I do think that it is possible. I know it's possible. And it's just oh, a matter of getting it done.
2: Yeah, well, it's getting... It, again, it's up to the people. It's up to the awesomers. It's up to the members. If they join and believe, um, I, I, got a, I got a shot in my knee this morning because I'm you know an old triathlete and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the aches and pains. And it was really interesting. The, the, the nurse comes in to me and she's an ex-triathlete too. She had two knee replacements. She's born the same year I was. And she said, when I put this shot in your knee, she goes, you have to believe. She said, if you don't believe it's going to work, it's not going to work. You have to believe it's going to work. It's the first time a healthcare professional ever told me that. And I was like, you know what? I believe it's going to work because I believe in almost any, you know, I'm, I'm an optimistic person, but I think my daggone knee's feeling better already. I got to go run right now. But um, I, I got to tell you one other thing too, because we're running slow on time. The only person I don't think I, I think I mentioned my wife, my brother, my mother, my father, uh, my son, but my daughter um, had a baby, uh, uh, on the 11th, I think it was. And, yeah, uh very so recently. 11 days in. To, uh, so Emily, there's a yeah. shout out to you too. I, I almost forgot to, if she watches this, she'll be like, why do not you say anything about me? So
0: <laughs> She's has been busy uh, having a little one on the way. <laughs> um, well, listen, it, it has been great having you. I definitely, you know, in the show notes, we'll have the, the information. But, you know, how can people uh, find, you know, more about Empowery and, and contact you? You
2: can obviously visit the website, empowery.com. Um, cannot, you know, we have Facebook channel, they can go there. Um, my email is Barth at empowery.com, B-A-R-T-H. Uh, very uh, you know, I think you're only gonna find one Barth anyway. I've never met one yet myself. And only uh one I other
0: saw- one, uh, only one other Barth I've I ever met, and he was he works at Amazon and he was from like uh, Finland or something. I would love to I'd love to hang with him.
2: I have a lot of stories to tell, but, um, and you know, so you can go either, either way. And I'll just tell you my cell phone, 603-674-1260, 603-674-1260. And I, you know, much to my wife's dismay, it's always on. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm an early
0: riser, unfortunately too, but would love to talk to you and, uh, and go out there and be awesome. Let the prank calls begin, everyone. This will be fun. Uh, so listen, uh, let's uh, definitely take a moment and, and remember that uh, you know when you have somebody like Barth who's got deep experience and, and creating you know, billions of dollars of, of uh, consolidated buying power and, and Ed Carr, uh, one of the new directors of supply chain, Evan Hackle, these are, these are professionals who have put together you know, multi-billion dollar deals. And now they're saying, hey, e-commerce guys, we get it. Uh, we know where you've been. We've seen this before in other industries. We're going to bring this concept to you. Uh, don't forget that a co-op is a legal business entity. There's corporations, right? The the inc at the end of the name, and there are LLCs, a limited liability corporation. Well, a co-op is an actual legal type of entity. And Empower is founded in Minnesota, which is known to have the best cooperative laws for members, and really is a member-centric state. So it's it's really all about uh, who the members are, and, and those members uh, you know, can be e-commerce guys uh, near and far. So I, I highly encourage people to take a look at it. As I said, even though it's kind of uh, part of my brainchild and I'm funding it, to, to join the co-op, I had to pay money to, to join the co-op, and it's a tiny amount of money. There's very very little cost uh, up front or ongoing. It, the value is overwhelming in my opinion, uh, but I'm just like every other member. Uh, just one of one of many so it 's it's uh,
2: actually a non appreciating share of stock it 's a non appreciating share, so you can be in ten years and you own just as much as the person that comes in tomorrow that 's why I said earlier about egalitarian and
0: democratic it, it you know everybody is the same period yeah, and that one share, by the way, it just gets you uh, your vote and it gets you your patronage dividend. And if you ever leave the co-op, you get that uh, money you put for the share back. Uh, so it's, it's really a non-financial uh, impact long term. So anyway, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to share the, uh, the podcast. Thank you, Barth, for coming on. It's been a great uh, pleasure talking to you about the, all the history and all the other stuff we've talked about. And I, I just
2: want to go on record say, saying, Steve, out of all the members, you are my favorite.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, that is definitely, definitely. Uh, I can't wait to hear how many other members uh, use that same. uh, Barth said I was the favorite. Uh, But uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll be right back after this.
1: Empowery. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Bart's such a fun guy and
0: really is somebody that uh, understands the plight of e-commerce entrepreneurs and awesomers around the world. Uh, His his mission really as the president of the e-commerce cooperative uh, known as Empowery, which again is a non-profit member-owned cooperative. Who owns it? The members own it. Who says, uh, you know, what the team should be doing? Ultimately, the members decide what the team should be doing. So it's a really cool uh, thing to be able to have, you know, e-commerce players joining together and being able to basically leverage the strength of executives with the caliber uh, like Barth and be able to, you know, set strategy, uh, troubleshoot, and share, you know, best practices. Uh, I'm really excited about it, and I'm thrilled that Barth was able to join us once again this has been episode number 10 of the Osmers podcast and you can find all the details and show notes at osmerscom 10 and uh, you shouldn't hesitate for a moment to look more into Empowery by going to www.empowery.com again a non-profit member-owned cooperative the first of its kind of the e-commerce world and I am just as excited as I could possibly be about it well we've done it again everybody We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guests, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.